0: For today's podcast episode, I posted on my Instagram stories a few weeks ago to collect some questions from all of you guys. We've got a good variety of topics here. We're going to talk about how to create entertaining content, how to overcome fear when first getting started, my must-have tools as a social media manager, where to find help other freelancers to build past the 5k mark. So a conversation sort of on outsourcing, starting a business when you have no idea what you're doing. I think we can all relate to that conversation. And I also had someone ask for an example strategy for a restaurant or hotel. So we're going to dive into that as well. Lots of great questions. And if you want to be part of my next Q&A episode, make sure you are following me on Instagram. Make sure you add me to your favorites so that my content shows up and you can have a chance to submit your question next time. Welcome to the Dishing Up Digital podcast. I'm your host, Alan, a former nine-to-five escapee turned six-figure business owner. This is your place to learn everything there is to know about building your dream life and career as a social media manager. Whether you're just starting out and feeling lost and confused or you want to take your current business to the next level and double your income, this is the podcast for you. Social media is such a powerful platform and it's enabled me to book out my services and smash the six-figure milestone with only 3,000 Instagram followers. So grab a cup of tea, coffee, a glass of rosé with me and let's turn those dreams into a reality. I'm going to kick things off with China's question here and she's asked I'd love to hear some good social media strategy for a well-known hotel or restaurant. Now I think the strategy for a restaurant somewhere selling food versus a hotel someone selling accommodation would be a little bit different but to, to, to start with the the common thing you want to think about here is what is the transformation or gain or outcome that the customer would experience at either of these two places? I think a lot of us get caught up in the specifics and the deliverables of a service of a product. Like for example, if we were to talk about a, a restaurant, we might be like, this is the menu, this is the price point, this is you know, what our booths look like, this, this is the wine list, this is the drinks list. Maybe they might have live music on Friday nights at a particular restaurant and they've got a little advert up for that. And all of that stuff is great. It's great for your customer to learn about that, to be like, I really feel like a burger. Awesome. These guys sell burgers. I'm going to go there for dinner. But what you really want to sell is the feeling, the feeling people are going to get when they come to this restaurant and videos and content that evoke that feeling. Same goes for a hotel. I think a hotel is even easier to illustrate this with, but think about going somewhere and finally relaxing, unwinding, having everything taken care of for you, going to the hotel spa, getting up, having breakfast with the room service and delivered on a little cart, having someone do your turndown service. like. All of these beautiful, comforting, luxury things that you could illustrate throughout the content and how that makes your customer feel like this is the place to go to reconnect with your husband for the most beautiful anniversary. This is the hotel to come to for a solo staycation because you deserve to treat yourself like videos that evoke those feelings are powerful that they they hit a nerve with your customer and really entice them to book rather than being like, In our rooms, we have two queen double beds. We also have spa and pool facilities. Like it's a little bit dull, it's a little bit boring and that's not actually what the customer cares about. You might be kind of tricked into thinking that's all the customer cares about, that they wanna know what they're getting for their dollar. But at the end of the day, what makes them buy is usually a feeling. So making sure you have a mix of emotionally driven content is really great for either of these niches. Again, for both of these potential clients, I would be posting a minimum of three times a week, depending on their goals. Say if it's a brand new um, hotel and maybe they are really looking to build the customer base, they haven't had a lot of people in there. I would be posting every single day during the first like six months launching that hotel, right? You're really trying to build up the reputation, If it is a more well-known hotel, you can get away with just doing three posts a week. It depends on the client's budget. It depends on the capacity that they have to produce content. But honestly, anywhere between three and five posts a week is fine. And it's still going to get you results. Again, I would probably make the majority of these uh, pieces of content reels. That is my go-to strategy for anybody trying to get more exposure on social media at the moment. However, if, again, if it's like a fully booked hotel where maybe you're not looking for that much exposure, maybe you're just looking for community building and re- retaining that connection with existing customers, maybe it's only posting graphics and carousels and photos and just one reel a week. If I were to come back to the restaurant, I think another key thing here is videos that really illustrate your food and the meals on offer uh, and also telling stories behind that. So a company that I've fallen for recently. It's not a restaurant, but they're in the food category. And they're a brand that sells vegan cookies here in New Zealand. So you order them online and then they ship them to your house. And I got served a TikTok ad and just completely fell for it because it was this beautiful story of how the owner had started the company And the journey of designing their products and a few things that had gone wrong, but how they'd persevered. And now they've got this amazing new, um, I think it was like a new flavor that they were promoting. And the story just really resonated with me on a human level, like hearing about this person's failure, how they shipped all these containers and they had like a typo on them or something like that. And and it hooked me in and I wanted to buy. But the video also came paired with, obviously, the voiceover. But that was paired with a whole bunch of B-roll and footage of them, like, unboxing their containers, mixing their dough, cooking the cookies. And then they had these amazing videos where they just, like, snap the cookie in half. And you can see, like, the gooey filling and insides. So it was all of these compelling things that just hit home with me. Like, it sparked that emotion. Like, I, I, I was clearly, like, a really easy target also being a business owner and I just love supporting the other local businesses but it was also just like the emotion and coziness that this 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 video promoted in their food and the way that they displayed and illustrated the yumminess of it all at the heart of every strategy whether you are a hotel a restaurant whether you work in e-commerce whether you sell puppy, dog, bowls, or whatever it is. I think at the root of your strategy should always be creating good content that resonates with your audience, getting really invested in emotionally driven content, and also storytelling content. We can talk about how to post uh, or how often to post. We can talk about what time of day. We can talk about all of those like boring kind of deliverables, but at the end of the day, your strategy should be really focused on the type of content you're creating, improving that content, and how you can make it resonate more with your audience. Okay, we have to move on because I can feel myself hitting like the 10-minute mark already just answering this one question, but perhaps I could expand on this and we could do another episode on example, social media strategies. Let me know if you guys would be interested in that. The next question comes from Laid Socials. Do I need to figure out my business from the start? I feel like I don't know what I'm doing yet. And as I said in the intro, this is a very normal feeling. This is a very normal thing to go through and experience. And I think sometimes when we normalize these things, it can just simply make us feel a lot better knowing that we're not alone. So I wanna get that off the bat straight away. And funnily enough, one of the things I was journaling about this week as we're coming into the end of the year, that new year period where we're thinking about goals and growth for our business. And I I was actually journaling about getting back to the early days and the innocence that I had when I first started my business. So it's kind of timely that this question has come up because I had no idea what I was doing in my business when I started. I was just having fun and I was just leaning into the fact that I wanted to build something for myself and that I was committed to making it happen. These days, I almost feel like having all of this education and experience can be a little bit of a downfall, right? I don't know if anyone else has experienced this, but as you get further along in your business, things start to become a bit more rigid, systematic, and thinking about my goals this year, I was like, oh, I don't want to sit down and do financial forecasting for each quarter and like plan out the next 12 months to the minute. Like that's so that's so boring to me right now. And I had this moment where I was like, I I wish it was like in the early days where I kind of just figured it out as I went and I just focused on having fun and I had bigger overarching goals and a bit of a vague idea on how I was going to get there. And you guys know, if you've listened to the past couple of years, my end of year reflections or my goal setting episodes, I love goals and I think they're fantastic, but I do think there's a time and place for them. And I think there's a lot of pressure on business owners to know exactly what they're doing every single step of the way. And the reality is the majority of us don't. And I want to just normalize that that's okay if you're in that boat and it can actually be a good thing. Like... I want to go back to that innocent newbie entrepreneur, Alan, that just had all of these dreams for herself and was just out there gunning it and didn't sort of micromanage herself. And in doing that, just let her creativity flow. I also think the best way to learn things is by by doing, learning by doing, learning by making mistakes, experiencing something and learning from it. If you sit there and wait till you have everything figured out, if you're like, cool, I'm going to launch my business when I'm feeling 110% confident, when I've got my logo, when I've got my website, when I've written a 12-month business plan, when I've done my financial forecast, if you wait till everything is perfect, you are going to be waiting forever. You have to take the plunge even when you don't feel like you're ready. And if you were in that boat at the moment where maybe you're looking for your first client or maybe you've got your first beta client and you're like, holy moly, I have no idea what I'm doing. (laughs) You are in an incredible position and just keep moving forward. Just keep taking step after step and moving through this. And you're going to be so surprised when you get to the end of next year and realize how far you've come. Another mindset question up next from NRX Blaine. Have you ever feared about starting social media management? If so, how did you overcome it? Again, if you guys have listened to some of my podcast episodes where I talk about my personal journey, you will know that I was terrified. I've always said that handing in my resignation at my day job or my corporate job was the most terrifying day of my life. And I have done many terrifying things since then and very, many scary things and launched you know, exciting projects and written books and spoken at events with over 50 people watching me. I've done scary things and nothing compares to taking that first step. And I actually have a, a, a chapter in my book where I talk about mindset and the gender confidence gap. And in there, I have a conversation around fear and imposter syndrome, and overcoming these things. And one of the interesting things about fear is it's not something you can wait to overcome. It's something that you only overcome by moving through it. And the key here is taking action despite being scared. Taking action even though you're afraid of the outcome. And just accepting that fear and moving through it. There's no, there's no secret. I can't wave my magic wand and make you guys fearless warriors. But what's really awesome is once you learn to move through fear and take action despite of it, this is where you really do become unstoppable as a business owner. This is why, for me, standing up in front of a room full of people and running a training for uh, an hour or running an online training with literally hundreds of people watching it, the reason why those don't necessarily stop me anymore, why I do all of these crazy things is because I have that experience of learning to walk through the fear, right? This is a great, again, learning opportunity for you on your business journey, and there's no way to overcome it. You've just got to go through it. The next question I have here is Social by Betty has asked how to create entertaining content. And I think this is a great, uh, great content, a great question, because entertaining, entertaining content is a really a key pillar of social media. And I know there was like a survey or a study that popped up recently on TikTok where it talked about the power of entertaining content and how that actually could nurture a relationship and lead to an increase of sales, which I 100% agree with. A lot of people get really caught up in being too professional on Instagram and and in TikTok as well. And when you look at brands that have done really well, for me, I think about like Duolingo just being like the icon of businesses on TikTok. I think about uh, the iconic arguments between Wendy's and McDonald's on Twitter, which was obviously a few years ago when it was Twitter, now it's X. Don't even get me started on that topic. But moments like that really make a brand stand out. And it means when you do want to go learn a language, you think of Duolingo first, purely because of the way how it's kind of dominated your brain subconsciously through consuming that entertaining content. Same goes with McDonald's. Maybe you're out for dinner and you're like, what do we want? And you're like, oh, McDonald's, because you just have that lingering thought of that hilarious tweet. You saw them clapping back at Wendy's a few few months ago. Um, Now that I think about it, I don't know if Wendy's is a thing in America. If it's not, (laughs) Wendy's is just like another fast food chain. In terms of the how for creating entertaining content, for me, I'm not going to lie, it comes quite naturally because I love having fun on social media. And maybe that's part of it is just releasing that perfectionism a little bit, letting it go and allowing yourself room to have fun and be creative. I think sometimes this is where batching too far in advance can be a negative thing because it kind of strips room for creativity and it really focuses on like, let's just churn the content out and get it done and ready and then schedule it and leave it alone. Having room for a little bit of spontaneity so you can jump on those trends is really important. One thing that I've been doing recently, especially on TikTok, is just any video that I come across that makes me laugh, I think about how could I make another social media manager laugh with this audio, with this template. An example of this was recently, I think I've, I have already talked about the specific reel on the podcast, but I'm going to use it as another example because it's the first one that's come to mind and I really like it. There was an audio going round and it was a clip from the F1 um, kind of like commentators and they were talking about Lando Norris and they're like, poor little Lando Norris just needs to go home for a nap. It's been a hard day, something along those lines. And I saw someone using it in the context, I think, of like working at their desk job And they were like, me after a full day at my nine to five. And I was like, oh, that's so funny. Like, I love this audio. And then I was like, hey, I can do this for social media managers. And there have been a few social media managers that have since uh, since used it. And I'd like to say that I was at least one of the first. And the reel actually got reposted by later media as well, which gave me some extra nice exposure. Um, I posted it on TikTok and Reels. And again, it wasn't anything groundbreaking. I hadn't come up with the original idea. I hadn't found the audio myself and being the first person to upload it, but I simply thought about how can I make this funny for my audience? What would they laugh at? And again, this comes back to having a really strong understanding of who you are talking to, right? Having that audience research, knowing what their pain points are, knowing what their struggles are, so that if you crack a joke, you you know that it's just going to hit home with them, right? You're just like, "Oh, oh my gosh, yeah, everybody goes through this as a social media manager or whoever your target audience is and they can have a little chuckle. Now, if you're doing this for a client, it does take a little bit of time. Like for me, this entertaining content doesn't always come naturally. It's a little bit of getting feedback from my client, having a conversation with them. And then over time, as I learn more about the brand, it's a little bit easier. Again, another example uh, was that the HBO Uh, House of Dragon audio with the Negroni. I don't know if you guys remember that, but that was one that I used across all my clients and had a lot of fun with it. And we had one client's reel go quite viral. And again, it was just taking the audio, the funny trend and applying it to their niche, their, their, their audience and thinking, Hey, what would our audience find funny about this? The next question I have on my list is from Be Engaged Agency and they've asked, name your must have tools for starting out as a social media manager. Now I do have an episode where I talk all about my favorite tools and apps. So I'll link that down below as it does kind of explain a little bit more context and basically everything I'm using at the moment. But if you were just getting started, if I go back to the basics of when I was starting out as a social media manager, My number one recommendation would be a Canva Pro subscription. Pay for your Canva. I think it's only like $15 a month. I pay for the annual subscription to to save a bit more money. So I'm not quite sure what the monthly is, but it is pretty affordable. I know for those of you starting out with zero, you know, you don't have any clients. It could be expensive, but trust me when I say it is worth it. It's going to be very difficult to do your job without having a platform like Canva. And when we look at the other editors, the other graphic tools on the market, nothing is as good and all-encompassing as Canva. Because in reality, you can edit photos, you can edit videos, you can edit graphics, you can make carousels, you can make banners for Facebook pages, you can make YouTube thumbnails, you really can do it all. And instead of having a million apps, it's really useful when you're just starting out to stick with one and really master one and have all of your stuff in one place. And honestly, if I was just getting started, that's the one app, the one piece of software that I would recommend because I I talked about accounting software that I use, contract software to get electronic signatures. There's a lot of those that I talked about in my previous episode, but I do think In the beginning, you can bootstrap and you can make your own invoices and contracts in Canva, right? And download them from there. You can also keep track of your accounting in a free Google sheet. And in those early days, you're not going to have a huge amount of incomings and outgoings, right? And I know for me, I didn't actually have any sort of formal accounting system until I went full time in my business. And that was kind of lucky for me because I started right at the beginning of a new financial year in New Zealand. And then I was side hustling for like 10 months. So I managed to go full time and set up my accounting system before I had to like file my end of year tax returns, which was super helpful. But literally before that, I was keeping track of my accounting manually in the back of my like diary agenda and just writing invoices down manually, adding it up, noting down anything like props that I was buying for photos. I do think sometimes social media specialists promote certain apps and pieces of software from a place of maybe not understanding that everyone doesn't have endless money to get started. Like maybe there's people who actually have to pay for living expenses um, and they don't have the support or their family, or maybe they are the ones supporting their family. So there is no extra, extra money lying around. And I also think like a lot of people promote tools and software that they use from like a place of, I don't want to say arrogance because that sounds like a bit rude, but like from this place of superiority of like, look at all these fancy apps and tools that I use. And a lot of people seek those out because it validates them and makes them feel more like a professional by using all of these fancy gadgets and tools. And I just don't believe in that. That's not the way that I started my business. I love to bootstrap. I love to keep my expenses minimal. I think that's a beautiful, you know, pro of being a social media manager, the fact that we can do that. And I think maybe it's a case of cutting out the noise sometimes and realizing that you don't need all of the fancy tools and gadgets to get started, but you can slowly add them in as you grow. Now, the last question I have on my list is relevant to scaling your business. So where to find contractors or other freelancers that you can hire to help build your business? And this is a question from Madison, and she has specifically asked for building past the 5K mark. And again, I've talked about this in my previous podcast episodes on scaling and growing your business to that next step. And I really do believe that 5 to 10K monthly milestone mark is a place where you need support, you need a contractor, you can't be doing everything on your own. And I, the first time I hired someone, it was through a Facebook group. You guys know that I love using Facebook groups. I use them to find all of my first clients as well. And it really was as simple as me putting up a post being like, Hey, I'm looking for a VA. This is what I need help with. This is my business. Please let me know if you're interested. And it was quite overwhelming. I'm not sure that I would recommend it because I got a lot of comments and then people DMing me. Uh, the next time I ended up hiring someone that I knew within my network because I just really needed someone that I could trust, knew, did the work, um, who or I knew who could do the work, who was capable, that I didn't need to micromanage or train for weeks and weeks. I just needed help. And, you know, that's kind of another tip for outsourcing. And again, I do have a whole episode on outsourcing that I can link below. But hiring someone who does have a little bit of experience is really helpful. And then the next person that I hired was through my own Instagram. So putting up an ad there and collecting CVs and applications. And then the next person I hired was through a normal job listing on SEEK. Uh, Again, I don't know if everyone has Seek. Uh, I know it's big in New Zealand and Australia, but that's basically like a job search engine. Like that's how I got my corporate job was applying for a job on Seek. And I really liked that. It, It cost me about $200, I believe, to list the ad, but I got a really high caliber of applicants, more so than any other method that I had used prior And to be honest, I think any of these strategies work in terms of finding a reliable, good person to hire and bring into your business. But the key thing is not actually where you place the ad. I really think it's the process that you you go through with interviews. I think it's really important to set aside a good couple of weeks to put the person that you hire through a minimum of two interviews. To interview at least five other candidates. I made the mistake of just picking one person and being like, "I really like you. I'm going to hire you" because I couldn't be bothered interviewing anyone else. And I think it's really important to put people to the test as well. I put people on like a like a on the spot kind of test. uh, I I basically asked them to list off some content ideas. I gave them like a client brief and I was like, what would you do with this to really test if they could go away and make content on their own without me babysitting them. And that was when I really hired someone who was amazing for my business. And she's listening to this right now because she also now edits my podcast episodes. Um, Hannah is my most recent contractor and most recent, I would say, like I hired her over a year ago, maybe coming up two years next year. Um, But the process that I went through there, like I I learned a lot from all the other people that I hired. And I learned that you you have to take the hiring process seriously. You have to put in some effort. And when you do put in the effort, you find the right people. So I'm going to leave this podcast episode here. Make sure you are subscribed and following to catch next Monday's episode. And if you haven't already, please leave us a review. It really helps us out getting the podcast more visible and getting more people finding these value packed episodes. So I'm going to leave it there for today. Thank you guys so much for listening. See you next week.